When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into a Friday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, and we are loaded. Moments ago, Toby Rowland caught up with Joe Castiglione. We're going to bring that to you coming up here in mere moments. And obviously, it's some, uh, it, it's a good, it's a feel-good interview based on what has been a couple days of not necessarily feel-good information about the future of college football, at least in the fall. So we're getting to that in moments. Also later today or later on this podcast, we're going to have our Sooner Sound Off show. This week, we debated the greatest comeback in Sooner sports history and some unique angles taken on that. We'll talk about it coming up here in moments. But as always, the Sooner Sports Podcast brought to you by AT&T, AT&T America's best network. Academy Sports and Outdoors is the preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. And Sooner fans, it's important you know that Pizza Hut is still here and ready to serve you the pizza you love. Whether it's picked up for carryout or delivered to your doorstep, contactless delivery is one of the many ways that we're working to help provide you and our employees the safest experience possible. No matter your location, if you want a more contactless option and prefer your pizza left at the door upon delivery, no problem. Place your order on PizzaHut.com or the Pizza Hut app. All right, moments ago, on the heels of the Big Ten announcing that it was moving to a conference-only schedule, and of course the Ivy League is shifting its season to the spring, 
We got the latest on the Oklahoma side of things and the Big 12 perspective as the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, caught up with Joe Castiglione. Joe, good morning. How are you today? <laughs> well, we might have taken a few weeks off or two weeks, whatever it is, but the decision-making hadn't taken a week off, and, and certainly the birds have never taken a day off. <laughs> so I'd say be careful. It sounds like you got some angry birds behind you today. <laughs> exactly what it is. There's a... There's a blackbird up there. He's not real happy today. I don't know what he's upset about. Maybe he's a Big Ten fan. I'm not sure. Big Ten, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say that might be apropos of what we have to talk about today. Uh, All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Joe. And I know a lot of people are tuned in because they are very curious after the goings-on of yesterday. Let's just start here. I want to start broad. There's been a series of bad news this week. Uh, in the world of college sports every day. It's discouraging for a lot of people out there. Do you, do you feel the same? Well, it doesn't put more pep in my step, I'll say that. But uh, uh, still, Toby, I think our approach has been consistent and that we're staying patient with uh, the information that we continue to get literally uh, on a daily basis. And it's important. Uh, if there's one thing that I want to remind you and our listeners uh, that we've said since, what, the very first time we started doing these Friday shows, you remember what that was? Uh, you said a lot said of many things taken to heart. I don't know if I can sort through. Yeah, what is this one? Well, it's the thing. It's, it's, the, it's really a value uh, or, or our principle, and that is whatever decisions we make, we are going to make them with the uh, best interests of health, welfare, and safety of the people we serve. That has been absolutely the filter uh, through which every decision we make uh, has, has been made. Um, and, and we're not going to change that. And so you know our approach has been to uh, listen clearly and consistently to those that have the science uh, and the medical knowledge behind their perspectives and decisions. Uh, we're playing off that. Um, you know, I, the, uh, it's just not going to be negotiated from that standpoint. So we are going to continue to stay patient. Um, if we're going to play games, then we're going to find the best and safest way possible to engage we're still at a point toby that everything is fluid Uh, we we have many challenges uh to even think through getting the season off on time but at the moment uh people are are still uh staying the course uh, before they make any uh any other substantive changes the big 10 made a big announcement yesterday that they are going to conference only football uh, were you surprised? Is it premature in your opinion? And do you expect the Big 12 to follow suit? Surprised, yes, because that, um, up until this point, we have been working amongst all of the conferences to try to make decisions that uh, are consistent with each other. They may vary a little, but at least we're working through this, talking through this uh, many times a week. Um, commissioners talk 
virtually every day. And I think all of that's been healthy. The guidelines that we created early on, we followed through the 1st of June, uh, were all developed in concert with each other. And I think that was really good. Um, we have some that are continuing, like recruiting restrictions. But, uh, you know, I was surprised to see them go out and make that decision separate from the rest of the group. Uh, it's um, something that I'm trying to unpack at the moment. Not so much the surprise, but what what gains are made by making a decision right now. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the doomsday theory, I get it. Uh, I, if you think uh, that's the only path forward, I, I, and, and that's for the people you represent, I get it. Um, but we've gone this far, and uh, you know, if we were to argue three weeks ago, four weeks ago, people may have been too optimistic. We understand what's changed in those past three to four weeks. I, I realize that it's created a lot more pessimism and concern, as it should. Uh, we've seen surges all over the country. Um, maybe people got too lax, uh, too undisciplined in dealing with the uh, uh, spread of the virus, and it's caused some of the problems. These are just speculations on my part. Um, but three or four weeks from now, it may be a different story. May may not. And I said at the beginning, uh, this is a very fluid situation. Things are changing all the time. And uh, it's still not guaranteed that we'll get the season off on time, if at all. Uh, but we've gone this far, and I think um, working toward uh, making decisions and concert together was and still the best move. Now, what happens from this point forward uh, remains to be seen. I think the assumption is, well, I know the assumption is that if one conference is going to do it, then they're all going to do it. Is there a scenario in your mind, understanding everything's fluid, is it possible that a Power 5 conference could make a move like that and other Power 5 conferences don't? Anything is possible. Uh, we could argue whether that's the best way or how difficult it might be if that's what occurs. But let's step back and think about the uh, potential that we've talked about many times, and that's the disruption that can occur during the season itself. Yes, I, I understand. We're sitting here today looking forward and trying to think through all the things going on right at the moment. And, you know, the, the fact that the virus is going to be with us for a long time. Uh, we're hoping that a vaccine occurs. You know, we've heard the timetables late this year, early next year. Uh, we hope there are therapeutic uh, developments. But, you know, again, no specific timetable to that. Uh, so we have to deal with the virus. It's not something we can see. not something we could direct uh everything towards um, and it sort of operates on its own time and in its own way. The best thing we can do is take all the precautions that are possible to protect ourselves from contracting it or spreading it if we were unknowingly to catch it. Um, so all of that in mind, Toby, makes everybody concerned and, and 
really completely aware of the possible disruptions that could occur during the course of the season. Getting into the season may may seem uh, may seem like it. it it gives people a good feeling and it starts off and it's going to happen as it's planned. But any number of things can cause a game to be canceled, uh, may not even get rescheduled. Uh, maybe a team could miss two games in a row. You know, certainly if somebody is uh, playing a, a back-to-back schedule and, and some members of the team contract the virus, they're not only going to be out one game, they're probably out two so it, there are a lot of issues for us to you know, continue to work towards and through, which we've been talking about since the beginning. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really, really a challenging situation, but we're trying to you know, make the best of it, keeping that you know, important benchmark in mind that I mentioned earlier, that's health, safety, and welfare. I believe you were the first, certainly the first I heard, that brought up the idea, the possibility of playing football in the spring. And this was way back in March or April you brought up that possibility. Uh, Where do you stand on that idea now? Is it a realistic possibility, maybe even a probability? Well, intuitively, uh I understand why people might think, let's just go ahead and jump to that idea right now. Uh, just because of the next few weeks and months, you know, seem to be you know, very challenging until we get to a place where we see the virus uh, significantly. Uh, Coach Riley and I have talked about that many, many times. Logistically, it's doable. We can make that work. Um, and it may even be uh, viable, depending on what happens the next few weeks uh, with our decision-making and whether we're able to uh, start or complete a season. So um, we think it's possible, but it's not without its own challenges. Uh, and we, we have to understand that if we get into you know, the season, uh, into deciding moving the season to the spring. Uh, you know, the logistics are one thing, but there are some other uh, some other issues that we're going to have to work through. Um, one, you know, there may be, you know, any number of players that decide not to play. Uh, that's, that's entirely possible due to the fact that some are ready for uh, their pro opportunity and they might, might not want to play that close to the draft. Uh, you know, we have talked to and through uh, people that um, are with people that, that uh, you know, understand the playing of two seasons, you know, closer together than we've played them before. Um, and, you know, some people have different views of that. So uh, we have to work through some of those things. But if we're just talking logistics, Toby, it's definitely doable. Let's talk about uh, your situation on your campus. Uh, new numbers announced yesterday. No new COVID cases among the, the football team. That had to be encouraging. Uh, how have you felt the process has gone among the OU football program and on the OU campus since uh, athletes have returned? Have you been happy with everything? Very much so. Um, it's not just 
the encouraging news we had this week um, uh, through our surveillance testing. Um, but as you mentioned, we didn't have any positive tests. But again, we're staying realistic. That is a week-to-week endeavor. Um, now, don't get me wrong. We all hope that uh, the work of our student-athletes, which they deserve credit for being wise about where they are, how they protect themselves, um, uh, helping you know, to um, reduce uh, if not in one week's case, eliminate any positive tests, but it's a week-to-week thing. In the bigger picture, I could not be more um, proud of and, and complimentary of our medical folks. All the work they did going into the um, process itself, developing the protocols, um, it, it went uh, basically seamlessly when we instituted it, um, yes, you know, we had a few positive tests the first um, go-round. Um, we weren't surprised by that. We're not surprised by the good report this week. It's, like I said, it's a week-to-week uh, matter, and we'll manage it as we go. But they have done a phenomenal job. And our, our uh, equipment staff and our uh, facility staff the same because they had to work through plans for uh, specific ingress and egress to buildings and places where they can and can't go and the disinfecting of the spaces, you know, during, you know, and after workouts, you know, all the kinds of things we're doing that don't really rise up to, you know, the attention of a lot of people. Um, All of that's working so well together, and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, And, Toby, as as you know, we've been very transparent with our process. We've felt like it was helpful that we released the uh, protocols that we've had in place. So we had two releases, uh, media releases about that um, early in June and then right before our football team came back. Now, uh, we are starting to hit another week where we'll uh, welcome back more student-athletes. Men's and women's basketball will be coming back uh, the end of next week. Last question, big picture, Armageddon question. Um, what are the ramifications for your athletic department, for, for your campus, if there is no football at all this year? Well, um, the short answer is it's, it's going to be, uh, really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think first and foremost, um, this is a time for us to continue to focus on what we're doing uh, for the people we serve. And whatever decisions we make, whether it's to continue to have seasons or if we have to adjust seasons or if the decisions are made to cancel seasons, um, they will be made with the health, safety, and welfare of the people involved. Um, There will be implications to those decisions, most notably economic ones, but that's not what's going to drive us making the right decision. Um, The right decision is to serve people, to be part of our campus, to understand our campus is going through its own challenges itself, work with our president, Joe Harris, campus leaders, our board, uh, here in the community, the state, all that has to work together for us to be successful. And that's what we're trying to do and collectively make decisions that 
um, reflect the best of the information we have and, and the best interest of the people we serve. That's, that's just going to continue to be our mantra. Man, Joe C. is awesome. He has been incredibly open. He has been transparent. And as he said, they will always act in the best interest of the student-athletes and, of course, the, the students and the fans. And bottom line here, we're taking our time, I think, is the best way to put it. Big Ten made its decision. Ivy League made its decision. The ACC and the Pac-12 are apparently on the verge of making a decision, if you believe the reports. But as it stands right now, we're going to take some time just like Oklahoma did when it was making its decision to return to campus. And so far, that's worked out well. No positive tests in the last round of testing. So far, so good on that front for Oklahoma. Thanks to Toby. Thanks to Joe Castiglione. Great stuff. All right, real quick, before we get to the sound-off debate about the greatest comeback in Sooner history, Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Even in these uncertain times, your Oklahoma Chick-fil-A restaurants are here to serve you. Dining rooms are closed, but where possible, you can still order from the drive-thru, the Chick-fil-A app, or from DoorDash. Mercy at Mercy, your life is our life's work. Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Store, farm fresh for over 50 years. And if you're interested in taking your passion for OU athletics to a new level, we'll experience the best game day experiences while supporting scholarships for nearly 600 student-athletes by joining the Sooner Club today. Customizable options are available by calling 405-325-8000. Here we go. The greatest comeback in Sooner sports history. It's Sound Off. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into another edition of Sooner Sound Off. I'm Jessica Cootie. Today's show brought to you by OU Extended Campus. And over the past week, we saw the return of OU football student athletes back to campus after being gone for over three months. It was a comeback for the ages, a comeback We've all been patiently waiting for and speaking of that time for today's topic brought to you by Taco Mile. What is the greatest comeback in Sooner sports history and here today to win us over with their picks on the topic. We welcome in our esteemed panel back in the panelist role, role this week is Chris Plank and making a comeback of his very own Chad McKee picking up his very first win last week. Congrats on that Chad and back from vacation is Toby Rowland uh, back to hopefully take back his crown this week. So guys, let's get to it. Give us some opening statements on uh, what your picks are going to be this week for the greatest comeback in Sooner sports history. Chad, uh, Chris Plank, we'll start with you. You got it, Jessica Cootie. And from a statistical and from a numbers perspective on the field, the OU comeback win in Waco this past season is the greatest comeback in Oklahoma Sooner history. Obviously on the gridiron, hands down, it's the greatest comeback. You had the drama, you had game day, you didn't know if C.D. Lamb was going to play. Then everything fell apart in the first half and suddenly something clicked in the second half. The defense forces a turnover, the Sooner offense goes ground and pound and controls the clock going sideline to sideline and Oklahoma pulls off an improbable comeback. As far as games are concerned, Chad McKee, give me OU Baylor as the greatest comeback by a Sooner team in history. But you're going a different direction here, aren't you? Little bit, taking a little broader view. I have on my uh, honorary Stacy Dale's jersey honoring ceremony pin today, hoping it provides me the luck that Courtney Paris's pin had for me in the win last week. America loves a great comeback story, right? A comeback from personal problems or a fall from grace makes for a compelling story. A comeback from injury or some sort of illness 
is a story that's mainly a triumph of the will. But a comeback from the dead? That's one for the ages, literally. And that's the story of OU women's basketball. It's sometimes hard for us to sit back and remember because there's a Hall of Fame head coach, numerous All-American players, three trips to the Final Four, and great women of the world that have come through that program. But Sooner women's basketball was once shuttered, shut down, and shut out. And its rise from final rights administered to the Final Four is the greatest comeback in Sooner sports history. And Toby, in a few moments, I will attempt to prove that. Chad, first off, congratulations on your first Thank victory you. last week. I Very appreciate you being gone to pave the way for me to do that. Thank you. Jessica, let me just start by saying I went back and watched last week's show, and I think you were robbed by Chris Plank. And I totally was. argument was so good and compelling last week, Jess, that Chad has basically stolen it for himself uh, this week. Right? That's Objection, Your Honor. Objection. The greatest the comeback in OU history is the unbelievable tragedy to triumph story of the pride of Tuttle, Jason White, coming back from not one but two torn ACLs to win the Heisman Trophy and lead Oklahoma to back-to-back -back national title games. It's the thing movies are made of. I couldn't believe it then, and it's still hard to comprehend now over a decade and a half later. It's the kind of story that will either give you chills or make you feel warm in your heart, which may make you think you need a new heater or an air conditioner, but that's not the case. <laughs> it's simply that warm feeling all over that the Jason White story gives you, a story I'll share more in detail in just a bit. Or make you sick at your stomach when you have two torn ACLs of your own, but that's okay. We'll, we'll uh, see how your Ooh. debate goes here in a bit. But let's Ooh, get things started. Should be a fun one here today. And Chris Plank, you're, you're in the leadoff spot today. Thanks a lot, Jess. First and foremost, the game that Oklahoma played against Baylor had all the outside influence that you need for a big-time game. Game day was there. It was a sellout crowd. And then you had the drama of whether or not CeeDee Lamb was going to play. And unfortunately, the way things started, you knew it was going to be a historic night if the Sooners were going to be able to get this done. So let's get our focus on the field here, where Baylor started out the first half absolutely dominating the Sooners. To have a great comeback, you probably need to put yourself in a bit of a hole. And the Sooners did that, falling behind 31 to 10. Just look at the numbers. Oklahoma gave up over 238 total yards of offense, and Baylor scored every time they got in the red zone. They were four for four. All right, we, we got to look at the highlights, but you can look away if you want. The whole purpose of showing the, you this is how bad it was to get things started from the Sooners. Uncharacteristic turnovers and Charlie Brewer almost scoring at will. But thankfully, we got to the halftime locker room. And as the Sooners were coming out of the halftime locker room, Alex Grinch said to Jalen Hurts, we're going to have the kind of comeback, Jess, that we're going to tell our grandkids about. And look at the numbers. And the numbers that jump out to me, time of possession. The Sooners took over 24 minutes. Time of possession, a 24-11 advantage to 16-51. It was ridiculous what the Sooners did in the second half, controlling the football. A 24-0 score. It was the freshman. If it wasn't Austin Stogner, it was Theo Wees dancing around. It was all three facets of the game. Offense, defense forcing the turnover, special teams with the drama and the Gabe Burkage kick in the end. And I got to tell you, every great comeback 
needs a great call. Every great comeback needs a great locker room speech. And this great comeback by the Oklahoma Sooners had them both thanks to Lincoln Riley and, of course, my fellow panelist, Toby Rowland. From the 40, Brewer wasn't expecting the snap. He's got it. Quick throw out. It is. Yes. Intercepted. He got it Intercepted. this time. Intercepted. It was Benito. You can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the barn. In Waco, Texas, Lincoln Riley. Intercepted by the defense. Took a house in disrepair and refurbished it into their own palace on the banks of the Brazos. Unbelievable. And Oklahoma has pulled off on the road one of the most unbelievable victories in program history. All kinds of adversity. No more than we wanted. And you had to trust it. You had to do your job. You had to stay positive. You had to continue to listen. And you had to fight your tail off. And you, you guys made this happen. Every person in this room made this happen because they believe. Okay? And I, we've had some great wins around here over the years. But I tell you what, this right here, this is right up there at the top, man. You were one of the most dominant teams in the country. That was a dominant second half by all three phases. Dominant. On the road when nothing was going your way. Dominant. And that's what we can be. That is what we can be. We got a great chance here, man. Listen to that excitement. It was Benito. They went on the banks of the Brazos and took a house in disrepair and rebuilt it. Toby, how can you possibly argue any other game or any other person or any other thing in Sooner history was a bigger comeback? But bottom line here, Jess, everyone that was there that night, they knew the uphill climb the Sooners had. Baylor was ready to make a statement that they were back, and the Sooners went and they knocked them off the pedestal. It's the greatest comeback because of what Oklahoma had to overcome on the road, their own mistakes, but they did it in every aspect of the game, and they did it in legendary fashion. Hey, Chris, you do remember that I'm the host today, right, and, and not the voice? <laughs> I don't pander, Jess. Nice job, Chris. Nice job. Well done. No, well done. it certainly was a uh, comeback for the ages down there in Waco. But when we picked this topic, that's what the direction we thought everybody was going to go. But then here comes Toby Rowland and Chad McKee with a different take on this comeback story. So their takes are up next. Keep it here on Sooner Sound Off. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Medicine, Anheuser-Busch, and OU Extended Campus, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Devon Energy, Coca-Cola, and OU Medicine. Welcome back to Sooner Sound Off. Today, we're talking the greatest comeback in Sooner sports history. Chris Plank just went, and he gave the case for the largest comeback in Oklahoma football history, the comeback down on the Brazos River in Waco. Chad McKee is up next. He's got a different take on this. Coming back from the dead is the Oklahoma women's basketball program, Chad. That's right, Jessica. Most of us at some point in time have either uttered 
or experienced the phrase, that was a week that seemed like a month. But what if a week seemed like a lifetime? That was certainly the case for OU women's basketball players in late March of 1990. They were coming off a second consecutive losing season, 7-22 that year. The program was averaging about 65 fans per home date, and it was costing the university between $250,000 and $300,000 per season. Despite Title IX being in place, the athletic department officials and university officials at OU decided to shutter the program. But those officials soon learned they had poked the proverbial hornet's nest. Support for the program quickly grew to a fever pitch. A lawsuit was threatened. The Oklahoma State Senate passed a resolution condemning the decision, and a campus rally was organized. It included the players who had been shut out. Save our team! Save our team! Like everything I've worked for, it, it, it's no good. Everything I've fought for for the University of Oklahoma, all the sweat and blood that I've given, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Final signing date is April 9th, which is what, 12 days from now, we're supposed to pack up our stuff and try to find a place to relocate within 12 days. And that's if schools still have scholarships left. It's gonna be tough and they just dropped us. We can no longer play basketball. And we came here to be Sooners and now it's just like we're just stripped of our pride. We're the type of school that people would never have thought that we would close that program down. It absolutely galvanized everyone from uh, not just uh, women's rights people, but it state legislatures and all kinds of people just really got behind the uh, concept of, of women's basketball. And then, of course, a, a week later, the, the, the intense pressure brought the, brought the program back. For seven days, the onslaught of support continued, and finally, administrators took a 180, realized the error of their ways, and issued a statement that said, quote, the University of Oklahoma's mission is to serve the citizens of Oklahoma. The outpouring of support from the citizens of the state, OU students, and the state legislature indicates that OU can best do this by reinstating women's basketball. And with that, the program was back. But success was not immediate, nor was it ever guaranteed. In the six years that followed the reinstatement, the Sooners went an even 500 under their two coaches, Gary Hudson and Burl Plunkett. When Plunkett retired in 1995, the program was in need of another injection of life in a bold new direction. That's when then-assistant AD Marita Hines got a phone call from Connecticut head coach Gino Auriemma, who told Hines they had the perfect candidate right in their own backyard. Sherry Cole was a high school English teacher and the head coach of the girls program at Norman High School. She gained a reputation for herself with an up-tempo style that had won two state championships. Many thought Hines was crazy. A high school coach going straight to Division I, it wouldn't happen. But she convinced Hines did then AD Donnie Duncan to hire Cole. For a couple of seasons, it looked like the critics might be right. The Sooners won five games in Cole's first year and only eight the season following. But Cole and her best friend and college roommate, assistant coach Jan Ross, were gaining a reputation for treating players like family. And those who came to Norman were believing. Their first recruit, Felicia Whaley, became an All-American. And then a 6-1 point guard from north of the Canadian border arrived. The Sooners made the NCAA tournament just the third 
third in program history in Cole's fourth year. It would be the first of 19 straight NCAA trips. By 2002, they achieved the seemingly impossible and went to the Final Four, losing to REM's Connecticut team in the NCAA championship game. The numbers are staggering. One NCAA tournament from 74 to 90, and then Cole with 19 NCAAs, 10 Big 12 titles, three Final Fours, 15 seasons of 20-plus wins, countless changed lives. It all adds up to a Hall of Fame career, and that's what it's been for Sherry Cole, inducted in the class of 2016. 65 all Big 12 players, including six conference players of the year, nine Sweet 16s, and three Final Fours. It's an incredible story and is the greatest comeback story in the history of Sooner Sports, Jessica. Hey, and how fitting was it that it took a comeback for Sherry Cole to pick up win number 500 uh, in Kansas this season as well? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Good job, Chad. Uh, up next, we got Toby Rowland up arguing for the Heisman Trophy winner, Jason White, after suffering two torn ACLs. Keep it here on Sound Off. Air Comfort Solutions, your total home solution for plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Make the winning call today. Taco Mayo, fresh ingredients built to order. The Trails Golf Club, Norman's club of choice. Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Community Coffee, family-owned Community Coffee, the official brewed coffee of OU Athletics. Taste the difference family makes. Welcome back to Sooner Sound Off. Time for our third and final debate. Up first was Chris Plank, who debated the comeback of the ages down in Waco for Oklahoma football. Chad McKee just wrapped up uh, Oklahoma women's basketball program coming back from actually being cut. And now it's uh, time for The Voice, Toby Rowland. And when we first uh, put this topic out there, again, we all thought it was going to be games. And then Toby responded back with Jason White, which made us all laugh. What a great pick. And I'm anxious to hear it, Toby. Well, thank you for the time today, Jessica, and great arguments both by my esteemed colleagues, Plank and McKee. Chris, none of us will ever forget that amazing night down in Waco. And Chad, your argument must be good because it's the second straight week I've heard about it. So congratulations, both of <laughs> you guys. The best comeback in OU history is not a game. It is not a program. It is the small-town Oklahoma kid who overcame all odds twice to become the king of college football. The Jason White story is a 30 for 30. Nay, it is a Hollywood blockbuster. It's the kind of Phoenix rising from the ashes script that would have Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio fighting over the privilege to play the role of Jason White. To understand the full scope of the Jason White story, you have to know its beginning. When Bob Stoops came to Oklahoma, Jason White was the biggest high school football recruit in the state, and he was committed to Miami. Understanding the importance he could have to his program, Stoops went to see Jason the day he was hired at OU, and he flipped him to the Crimson and Cream. It was Bob Stoops' first big win for the Sooners. In 2001, we got a glimpse of what Jason White could be when he came in for an injured Nate Hibble and led the Sooners to victory over Texas. But later that year against Nebraska, he suffered a devastating knee injury that would end his season and potentially his career. 
Jason showed that total toughness, however, and fought back from injury to win the starting job in 2002. But in game two of the season against Alabama, again, a catastrophic injury, this time in the opposite knee. It was nauseating to watch. A promising career almost assuredly snuffed out too soon due to ugly misfortune. It was a stretch to think he could be his old self after one ACL. It was preposterous to think that after two. But lo and behold, what happened next is the kind of thing that makes Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg tingle. Jason White fought back from a potentially career-ending injury again. And in 2003, he went on one of the greatest tears, no pun intended, in college football history. With laser-like precision and accuracy, and maybe the prettiest deep ball the sport has ever seen, Jay White began to carve up defenses. He couldn't miss. He was a machine, a robot, on two completely reconstructed knees and with greatly reduced mobility, he spectacularly led Oklahoma to the national championship game. 40 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. It was heroic. It was awe-inspiring. And it earned him OU's first Heisman Trophy in a quarter century. Unbelievable. After two knee surgeries, the Heisman Trophy. And then in 2004, he darn near did it again. The numbers Jason White compiled on two bad knees, mind you, are mind-boggling. In 03 and 04, over 7,000 passing yards, 75 touchdowns, a completion percentage in the mid-60s, a passing efficiency bumping 160, and two national title game appearances. Last year about this time, uh, sitting at home watching the Heisman, and, you know, I just thought, you know, you know how neat would it be just to be there, you know, just to be one of the finalists. And, uh, never would have dreamed uh, after the two surgeries that I would even be, you know, have a, a chance to come here. And, you know, uh, I'm here and I never thought of winning it. And the last people I'd like to thank is uh, the people that had to put up with me through two years of rehab. You know, it is a, a long journey, but they put up with me, and that would be the, the training staff at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm honored and privileged to accept this award. Thank you. The Jason White comeback story is dramatic, it's tragic, it's inspiring, and ultimately, it's triumphant. It's not only the greatest comeback in OU history, it's one of the greatest individual comeback stories in college football history. Jess? Yeah, and you're talking about not even the physical that he had to overcome, but the mental aspect of it. He talked about how trying it was in that rehab room, just trying to come back and get back on the field and for him to fight back and do that, no doubt. Uh, coming from somebody who had to tear two ACLs and, and fight back from that, uh, definitely appreciate that comeback story as well. Great job, Toby Rowland. All right, up next, closing arguments, and we're going to pick a winner. Keep it here on Sound Off. The Sooner Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast to listen to old shows and subscribe to always get the newest ones.
Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. Sooner Sports TV personalities wardrobe is provided by Threads Menswear and Blush on Campus Corner. Hair and makeup provided by Clementine Hair Lounge. Welcome back to Sooner Sound Off. Final segment here. We've heard the passionate takes from all three of these guys, but uh, let's get your final take on it. Time for our closing arguments brought to you by Kincaid, Coach, and uh, Plank, you're up first. Down 31 to 10 in the first half, the Sooners engineered the greatest comeback in program history by outscoring Baylor in the second half, 24 to 0. They had the ball more in the second half than Baylor did the entire game, and they overcame a turnover as Jalen Hurts was headed into the end zone. And Jess, what's a great comeback without an incredible story? How about Caitlin Riley, who left her seat at halftime, Lincoln Riley's wife, and started walking around the stadium, and she believes in luck, Chad, so she didn't go back in the stadium when the comeback started. She kept walking around the stadium until the Sooners came back for a win. That sacrifice, that's the greatest comeback in Sooner history. I think I was pacing around in the press box at the same time she was doing that. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to see the light, but for OU women's basketball players in March of 1990, there was no light at all. It took great courage for Marita Hines to recommend the hiring of Sherry Cole, who brought with her Jan Ross to re-energize the Sooner program. Joe Castiglione was a catalyst, and through it all, they produced the greatest comeback in Sooner history. It's chronicled right here in this. Toby, you've said Jason White's story is the thing that movies are made of. Sherry's story is a movie, and it says here it was co-written by Jessica Cootie. Surely Jessica could not go against your own co-writing this week. Come on. Wow. Well, Jess, Jess would love to write the Jason White story as well. Jason White <laughs> went from one of the biggest recruits in OU history to mo one of the most gut-wrenching tales in the history of college football to a Heisman Trophy winner. Two devastating injuries, two grueling rehabs, and you know about that, Jessica Cootie. And then he put together two of the most unbelievable seasons this sport has ever seen. From Tuttle to tragedy to triumph, Jason White is the greatest comeback story in OU history. Uh, what a great show. What great debates. You guys uh, all brought your A game here today. Um, but listen, uh, definitely appreciate the Jason White comeback story, having two ACLs. Uh, again, a game we'll never forget last season down in Waco. But a couple weeks ago, we celebrated the 48th anniversary of the passing of Title IX. Had Sherry Cole on the podcast, and she talked about how it would be a disservice to those women who came in and paved the way to provide these kinds of opportunities. And even an opportunity for me to sit up here and talk about OU women's basketball in the state that it's in today. So I have to go with Chad McKee and stick with the theme. He's making a comeback wow. of the ages back of his very back. own, wow. picking up another win. So Chad McKee, your winner here today. Leaderboard evening out. It's been fun. Thanks for watching. Way to go, Chadley. All right, coming up this weekend, here's what's on tap, presented by OG&E. OG&E is power at the speed of life. We will bring you an incredible Bedlam game, the 2018 OU-OSU showdown. 
inside Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. It was an offensive shootout that ended thanks in a positive fashion for Oklahoma, thanks to two big defensive plays. That's available on the podcast Saturday. And then on Monday, Dr. Dale Bratzler will join us. He is the COVID-19 operations director for the University of Oklahoma, and we'll get his take, Dr. Bratzler's take from OU Medicine, on where we are and where we're headed and how we're handling the most recent news about the pandemic. Everyone have a great weekend. Stay safe. And until Monday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.